This is the Green Student Ministries High School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries. and grab a seat and as you do go ahead and squeeze in because there's uh, people in the back who are looking for seats so let's make it easy for them Um, and as you squeeze in our volunteers um, are are passing around um, the bags for offering if you have something go ahead and put it in there if not don't worry about it just continue to pass it along Um, and as you settle in um, I would encourage you if you have a bible to open it up um, to the book of second timothy We jumped into this series last week to introduce it, but we're really jumping into it um, today called doctrine. And doctrine is one of these big words that the the church uses essentially to say this is why we believe what we believe. And so doctrine, why we believe what we believe, helps us grow in our understanding of God's word and our understanding of who God is, uh, the, the understanding of why Jesus had to come to this earth. Um, And really what it does is it leads us to a place where our relationship with Jesus grows deeper. Um, Here's here's the one caveat I want to give around this series, and I'll probably continue to give it um, a little warning. This is never, um, doctrine is never a means of convincing someone to the faith. Doctrine rarely do we use as a tool in evangelism and telling people about Jesus. Doctrine is something that we do to grow deeper in our faith personally. And so this is not, we're not going through this series over the next 13 weeks so that you can walk into your schools and you can debate someone into following Jesus. That's not what the purpose of this series is. This series is for your growth in your relationship with Christ. Now, if you're here for the first time or you've been coming for a while and you're like, Ryan, that, that's great, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Here's what it does. It helps us better understand what we believe so that those who come and hear messages like this get to have a better understanding of why we believe what we believe with the hopes that the Holy Spirit would reveal to them that they need to pursue a relationship with Jesus. And so just keep that in mind as we come in here. This isn't like, hey, this is for me to learn so that on Tuesday when I'm in class with someone who denies the existence of God, like this is my, my ammo that I'm loading into my, my, my weapon so that I can get after them and I can teach them the truth. That's not what this is for. This is for you to walk into that conversation, for them to challenge some of your beliefs and you to walk away from that and be like, Lord, please open their eyes and thank you for allowing me to see who you are. Thank you for keeping me grounded and rooted into you as some of these questions and some of these challenges come into my life. That's the reality, and that's the, 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 the reason why we get into a series like this is because I understand that everyone in this room, whether it's tomorrow, a year from now, in college, or at some point in your life, your faith will be challenged. And what my hope is for all of us is for us to be able to go, I know that God is working. I've seen it in his word, and I've seen it in my life. I am committed, and I am convinced that God is real and that he loves us deeply so that you continue to grow in your relationship with him. And so that's the purpose of a series like this. That's one of the reasons why we're taking 13 weeks to understand why we believe what we believe so that we can be assured of our faith. And so as we um, turn our eyes to today, as we turn our eyes to 2 Timothy, today we're going to look at the word of God. 
There's a lot of um, critics out there that would say that this is not the word of God, that they would say it is just a collection of writings. But we as believers, as a faith community, as a family, we believe that this is the word of God, that it is perfect and without flaw. And so today we're going to look at that, essentially answer hopefully the question, who is the author and is this the real deal? So let's jump into 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is Paul writing to Timothy, but I love it. He's writing to us this morning as well, and this is what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. And God, as we open your word and as we look into your word, I pray your spirit would be alive in this place, that would be alive in our spirit, Father, that we would see things um, the way that you've intended for us to see them, Father, that we would be able to push out what the world says about your word, but Father, we would be able to see what you say about your word. Father, we trust you. We thank you that you have given us this tool, this resource, that you have given us your breath and your words that we can navigate through our lives but, Father, also so that we can know you better and we can come to grow in greater relationship with you, that our faith would grow. So, Father, I thank you for today. I pray that these words would be your words in this morning and not my own. Father, that you would take charge and run with this thing how you see fit. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, my question for you is, how do, like, how do we know? How do you know specifically? How do you know that God created this earth? Like, if we were to sit down and talk and I were to say, hey, what did the creation process look like? How would you know who created this earth? Like, how would you know some of these things? How do you know that Noah built an ark so that he would survive an impending flood? Like, how do you know that that happened? How do you know that, that David was a king of Israel? Like, as you go through your life, if we were to engage in conversation, how do you know that David was the king of Israel? How do you know that Jesus rose from the grave? We say it a lot. We talk about it from time to time. Hopefully, as we grow, we talk about it more and more. But how do you know that Jesus rose from the grave? How do you know that Paul, the author of the majority of the New Testament, had incredible life change where he was a per persecutor of the church? to becoming one of the greatest church planners and, and contributors to scripture of all time. How do you know these things? How do you know truth? How do we, in our daily lives, how do we know what is true and what is not? And there's one source and one source alone, and that is the word of God. Like at some point, when you heard those, those accounts of, of Noah of Adam and Eve, of Jesus, of Paul, of the early church, you may have heard it from a person, but that person got it from a book. And this book is not just any regular book. This is the word of God. So how do we know truth? In a world where we are constantly living in a society that says, live your truth, live your truth, and you live your truth. And if those truths have conflict, that's okay. Keep living your truth. I think that's part of the reason why we have so much conflict in this world is because we don't have an eternal and secure source of truth. And here's what I need all of us to understand. When we need to know what is really true, we have to look into God's word for it. 
And so if you are familiar with the accounts of these people, if you are familiar with the, with, with the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, thank that person that pointed you to this book. Because this book, we believe, we trust, and we are convinced that it is, in fact, the word of God. And Paul alludes to that. Paul points to that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so here's what I want to do. We're going to go through it. We're going to begin to break it down. And um, we're going to go about this in a different way than we normally do. We're going to look at a lot of different scriptures. And don't feel like as I call out a scripture, you have to try and get there in your Bible or follow along. We'll have those up on the screen for you to reference. But let's, let, let, let's dive into God's word and let's see how God's word points to other pieces of God's word that shares with us the truth of the Bible, the truth of the gospel, the truth of good news. And so the first thing Paul says is he says, all scripture. He says, all scripture. This term scripture that we see in the New Testament, it's used 51 times to point to the writings of the Old Testament. 51 times scripture is used. And the majority of those times, 49 of those times, the, the writers of the New Testament that is using the word scripture, that is referring to God's word, is pointing to the Old Testament. But there are two times where it points to the other writings of the New Testament. The first one is in 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16. And this is what it says. And it says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So Peter here is writing to us, he's writing to his audience, but he's also writing to us to let us know that as Paul is writing, all of the writings of Paul, he refers to them as scripture. And so Paul connects now the new, or Peter connects the New Testament also to Scripture. It's not just the Old Testament, it's the New Testament as well. Paul continues to write in, uh, in Timothy, in 1 Timothy, and it says this. It says, for the Scriptures say, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out of the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Paul here is pointing to Scripture. He says the Scriptures say that first one is from the Old Testament. It's from Deuteronomy. But the second one there, the laborer deserves his wages. He's pointing to what Jesus has said. And so Paul here points as well to, for us to understand that the Scriptures are both Old and New Testament. They're pointing to one another. So that we know when we see what Paul's writing and he speaks to all scripture, we know it's not just the Old Testament, but it's the old and the new. It is everything that we find in our Holy Bible. It is everything that we find within the word of God, all scripture, new and Old Testament. So we have a, a grasp of what scripture, what collection of writings, what words we're speaking to, but let's continue on. So all scripture is breathed out by God. So we see there that this word that we have, it is breathed out by God. This is God's word. This is God's breath. It was never man's decision about what God wanted to, or it's never man's decision what he himself wanted to write, but rather the Holy Spirit's action in their lives. The Holy Spirit was guiding them. 
Now they have their own flavors and their own, um, their, their, their own essence of the, the men who wrote these books, but be uh, be assured that it was the Holy Spirit who we believe is God. As we look ahead to a couple weeks, we'll look at the Trinity and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how they're all God. But trust that the Holy Spirit is the one who is guiding these men, guiding their hearts, and guiding their words to write them down for instruction as letters to churches, as history. In all these ways, it was never man's decision what he would write but rather the Holy Spirit's prompting and moving and guidance in their life as they wrote these scriptures. Here at the the chapel, here in GSM, we believe in another big uh, theological word. We believe in the inerrancy of scripture. We believe in the inerrancy of scripture. And that is the belief that scripture in the original manuscripts, the original letters that were written, the original accounts that were written, does... uh, Scripture in the original manuscripts does not affirm anything in which is contrary to fact and it contains no errors. Here's a fancy way to say that. The Bible always tells the truth. There are no errors in the original manuscripts. As these men were writing, there are no errors whatsoever in that. That tells us that we can trust God's word. This is the inerrancy of Scripture. And here's the thing. Very, um, as we continue and we progress along, there are more churches and more, uh, more institutions um, that are religious and, and faith-based that are moving away from inerrancy of Scripture. They begin to find themselves saying, we don't necessarily believe that's inerrant, but we believe that it's really good. There may be some errors, but here's what we believe. We believe that it is without flaw, that it contains no errors, And it is our ultimate source of truth. It always speaks the truth into our lives. And that's the the beauty of this is that the Bible, it works together through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like as the, the men who are writing this are writing it, they needed the Holy Spirit in their lives. As we engage with the word, as we engage with scriptures, we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is also going to work in our lives, revealing things that we would not see on our own, that we would not see separated from Christ. And Jesus speaks to this, to this, this idea, to this reality that we get to live in with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to it in John 14, 26. And this is what he says. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's why one of the reasons why it's incredibly vital in our lives to get into God's word on a regular and consistent basis. Because the things you read now, the things that you begin to implement into your life from scripture, five, ten years down the road, you may forget that that you've read that. But the Holy Spirit, in those moments where you need direction, where you need guidance, the Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind, will bring it to your remembrance, and you will be reminded of all the things that Jesus has said to us, of all the promises, of all the direction God has given to us, that Jesus has given to us. It will be brought to your mind. So that's why it's vital for us to be getting into the Word. Jesus also says this in the book of John. In John 16, 13, he says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare it to you through the things that are to come. This is how the, the, the men who wrote this, especially the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
It's not like they were following Jesus and taking note of all the things that he was doing. It wasn't until after the resurrection and after the ascension back into heaven that these men said, hold on a second, we need to tell others about what Jesus did in our lives and what he offers to all people. And so the Holy Spirit was the one who was able to bring those memories back, to be able to bring the words that Jesus spoke back to their mind, and he was, they were able to pen it without flaw and without error, because the Holy Spirit is our guide. It was the guide of the gospel writers, it was the guide of all of scripture, but it's also our guide as we get into God's word. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us go, oh my goodness, I never saw it that way before. As I read this, it has new meaning in my life. And sometimes it's where you share it with non-believers and they go, I don't understand what you mean. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit guiding them and helping them as we do who are in Christ. And so we must immerse ourselves into God's word so that we can know it, so that we can be aware of it, so that years down the road, the Holy Spirit can bring those things to our mind that we've read and that we've studied. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. It says, for who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person, which is in him? All believers have the spirit within them. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God, so that we may be able to understand the things that are freely given to us by God in his word. That's why when we share these things, like I said, people of this world, it does not make sense to those who are of the world. It tells us it there. It tells us that no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Everyone in this room at one point understood the spirit of the world where the world is calling us to go. Only those of us who have a relationship with Jesus have the Spirit of God guiding us so that we may be able to understand the things that God has given to us in his word. We have to immerse ourselves in this word. We also have to be confident that this word is enough. It is final. There's nothing that we can take out of it and nothing that we can add to it. As John is writing in, his, in, in Revelation, he says this, and this is right at the end of God's word. He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of, pro of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. That's to say, hey, this is sufficient. There's nothing that needs to be added to this. God's word stands on its own. He also says, hey, don't take anything out of this. That's the other thing you may realize as you get into scripture, there may be things where you're like, man, I don't like that. I don't want to follow that. I'm not big on that. I want to go ahead and tear that page out. I want to just live by that which I think is effective and applicable to my life. If we all lived in that way, we would find ourselves in, in, in a very short time with a very thin Bible. And so John tells us, hey, this is sufficient. It's enough. There's nothing that needs to be added, and there's nothing that we can take away. It is 100% rock solid. We have to believe that this is the word of God as God breathed it out, that it is inerrant, that it is without flaw. We have to believe this because if we don't believe this, if we can't walk into a setting or a situation where we say, I believe every word of this scripture, 
I believe that it is God-breathed. If we walk into these situations without that feeling, we quickly will find ourselves saying, if we say, hey, you know what? Maybe the Bible has a couple errors in it. Maybe there's a couple things that, that don't guide us in truth. Maybe there's a couple you know, hiccups or errors or lies. Maybe there's a couple in there. Then we have to really ask ourselves, if I don't believe that this is without flaw, can I really trust God? Can I really trust God and can I really believe in a God that would present us flaws and errors? We begin to say, you know what, as I read this, I don't like it. And we begin to ask ourselves, is my mind better than God's mind? Is my mind higher? Do I have a better idea for my life than God has for my life? If we don't hold to inerrancy, if we don't hold to the fact that the Bible is without error, we begin to think that our mind is greater than God's. And the reality is, if we, can, if, if, if we say, hey, I believe all of it except for this sentence here, if we find one flaw within the text, if we believe that there are errors within this text, then the whole thing falls through. If there is one error, then the whole book is full of errors. If, God is, if, if, if we hold to the fact that there's an error, then we would say that God is not capable of fully telling the truth, and our whole understanding of God falls through. And so we must hold to this idea. We must hold to this belief. We must be convinced that God's word as it says it is, is without flaw, is inerrant. We must hold to this. So as we continue, we see all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable. See that word profitable. Hey, I don't know anyone in here that, said, that would say a profit is a bad thing. Like if you're gaining profits, it's good. So that tells us that God's word is good for our lives. It is profitable. It is something that we need to put into our lives because it will lead us in a direction that we really want to go. It will lead us in a good direction. It is profitable. It is good. And then Paul goes on to tell us how it is good, what areas in our lives. He gives us some of the areas that it is, in fact, good. And the first one is teaching. It is good for teaching. We're experiencing that right now. It is good to sit under the teaching of God's word because it will help our lives become profitable. It will lead us to good lives. As we focus on the teaching of God's word and know that it is good for teaching, not just in this setting, but in all settings. We can teach others from God's word. We also see that it's good for reproof. It's a, it's a fancy word for exposing our rebellion. As we look into God's word, it exposes things in our lives. It exposes the rebellion in our lives in which we are living apart from God. It shows us how God has called us to live, and sometimes we're living opposite that, and it shows us these areas of our lives where we're living in rebellion to a God who loves us, where we're not following the, the, the way that God would want us to live. It exposes, our, it, it exposes who we really are. So it's good for teaching, it's good for reproof, or the exposing of our rebellion. It's also good for correction. When we realize we're living in a way that God has called us um, to not live, if we're living against God, it tells us how we should live. It corrects us. As we're going about our lives, this book is good to go in and say, hey, this is the correct way. This is a way to course adjust my life so that I'm aiming at Jesus and pursuing him in my life and with all that I do. It is good for correction. And the last one there that it says there is it is good for training in righteousness. Righteousness is, is, is becoming more like Jesus. As you grow in righteousness, you are growing to become more like the person of Jesus. It trains us to become more like Jesus. 
And so scripture, all scripture, that is God's breath, it is good for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Paul continues to talk about the, the benefits of scripture and how it applies to our life in Romans chapter 15. He says this, he says, for whatever was written in the former days, and the cool thing about for all of us is that's all scripture, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. All of these things, teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, it leads us to hope. It leads us to hope that this is not it. It leads us to hope that there is something greater than this world. It leads us to the hope of Jesus, that all is right and all is good under the kingdom of Jesus. And so that's why it's beneficial for us to get in there. Paul speaks to that. He goes on, he says, <clears throat> all scripture breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. See, here's what scripture does to us. Scripture leads us to questions that we have about life. Scripture, as we read scripture, as we engage with God's word, it leads us to the questions that we have about life, about our existence, about the existence of man, about a lot of these things that we'll talk about over the next 13 weeks. It leads us to these questions that we have about life. But as we look into it, we find answers that God is leading us in, and it causes our faith to grow. I mean, it's like in your life, when you go to somebody and you say, hey, you know, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a parent, a coach, and you go, hey, I got a question about this thing. And they're able to explain it to you. Your confidence in that subject matter or that person grows. That's why it's vital for us to get into God's word. Because as we find questions about life, we find the answers that God is leading us to. We go, oh my goodness, thank you for answering that big question that I had, God. Thank you for understanding, helping me understand my purpose in my life. Thank you for helping me understand these. And our faith grows. When we listen, that's part of what we do when we get into God's word is we're looking to God and we're listening. We're saying, God, as I'm reading your word, I'm listening for what you have to say to me. And as we listen, we hear the voice of God. John tells us about this in his gospel, chapter 10, verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. When we hear the voice of Christ, we know it. He connects this to sheep. If you were in service uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Mike talked about this reality, how sheep hear their shepherd's voice. They're able to understand it and hear it and separate it and differentiate it from other voices. And so if you or myself were to walk up to a flock of sheep and to call them, the shepherd could even tell us, hey, here's the words that I use. Here's what I specifically do. We could call them and they wouldn't listen. And we could go, each and every one of us, and the video that Pastor Mike showed is it was a, a collection of three or four people calling the sheep, doing what the shepherd told them to do as they're calling the sheep. And the sheep are like, nope, not my shepherd. And they go, and then all of a sudden the shepherd comes up, and he does his little yodel or however he calls them. And all of a sudden their ears perk up, and they start to come down the hill to where their shepherd is. Here's the reality from that, 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 that passage in John. We hear the voice of Jesus for those of us who are in Jesus, those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, he's our shepherd. We hear his voice and we know his voice. We follow him. When we get into scripture, there's something about it. 
through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, but to hear the words of Jesus, we hear it and we go, that's my shepherd. I know that that is true. Now here's the thing, for us, probably for most of us, if not all of us, we don't hear an audible voice. We don't hear an audible voice, uh, but, but what we find is as we get into God's word, it leads us, and as we read it, we're assured that this is the words of our shepherd. This is the words of our God. And here's what it comes down to. As we get into God's word, we find this assurance. People may ask us questions that, that cause some, some questions in our mind. There may be some things that we interact with with others that cause us to, to question our relationship with Jesus. Let me, let, me, let me take a step back and let you know, if you are questioning some of the things that God has said, if you're questioning your relationship with Jesus, if you're questioning some of these things that are hard to wrap your mind around, that's okay. Welcome to the family. It's okay to question some of these things. Um, a couple weeks ago, as I was driving in, it hit me as I'm driving. I go, I believe, I believe that our Savior was brought into this world by a virgin. Like, as I started to, as that started to settle in, I'm like, that does not make any sense. I don't understand that. Like, how is that possible? And the reality is, I, I go, is that, is that real? And in this moment, I, I have this internal questioning. Like, am I really going to believe that? And I think what we have to understand is, there may not be a moment. There's probably not going to be a moment in your life where you go, I've got it all figured out. There is some evidence that we have from this book and how it was put together that is helpful, but we will never find ourselves and never find pr uh, foolproof evidence that stands on its own, but we must rather have full confidence that comes from the inward working of the Holy Spirit. And so there will be moments in your life where like, I'm confident in this, and somebody asks you a question, you're like, wow, I didn't think of that before. That was a hard one. So what we have to do is we have to, we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to pull us along, that the Holy Spirit is going to give us confidence in the things that we may not fully understand. That's what we have to also realize, that the Holy Spirit is essential for us to accept that the Scripture is the Word of God. We have to lean into the Holy Spirit. We have to lean into God to fully accept and fully trust that this is the Word of God. See, our goal, is to, our goal is to seek and understand the words of the Bible. Our goal is to, to, to seek the words of the Bible, to seek what Scripture says. Our goal is to understand these things as best we can, then trust them and obey them with our entire heart. We have to trust what the words say. When we find ourselves in, an, in, in a conversation with somebody else, that maybe challenges our beliefs, or we hear something that they say that we're not quite sure works. When you come in here every Sunday, whether you listen to Pastor Mike, Pastor Happy, Adam, myself, whoever it is, if you fall under somebody's teaching, what you should never do is just go, because they said it, I believe it. We should go back to Scripture and see if that aligns with Scripture. What we can never find ourselves saying is, well, hey, what happened here? What Jesus actually meant, I know what it says there, but what he actually meant was whatever. We find this a lot in our lives. Well, Jesus never said don't have sex before you're married. What he actually meant was dot, dot, dot. No, 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 no. We have to go back to what the text says. To practice and live out a homosexual lifestyle. Jesus never actually said not to. What he actually meant was, no, 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 no. We have to go back and see what God's word says and guides us and directs us in. 
Well, it's okay to lie if you're protecting your parents. You know, what Jesus meant there was actually, no, we have to go back to the word of God and see what the word of God says, and then we have to come to terms with that which is in the word of God. Not what we think it means or what somebody actually meant when they said it. No, what does God's word say about it? And so as we work through Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. So we saw what it looks like to be complete, but as we are complete, we see that we are equipped for every good work. We are equipped for every good work. As we go along in the scriptures, as we engage with God's word, we realize that it equips us for every good work in this world. When we look at the works of the world, we see that they are incomplete. But as we pursue Jesus, we see our works are for him. And those works are leading us in a good place. They equip us for every good work. The the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 4. He says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So this is the beauty of it. The God's word, when we read God's word, The Holy Spirit uses that and shows us the intentions of our heart, whether they're the intentions of our heart or they're the intentions of God's heart. The Holy Spirit shows us that as we get into the word of God. Hebrews also says this in chapter 11. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. As we get into God's word and as the Holy Spirit guides us, our faith begins to grow. And our faith is the assurance of things not seen. Our faith, let's throw that back up there real quick one more time. Our faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of not things of things not seen. There will come a moment in your life, you may have already been there, where you find yourself looking at scripture, living that out, and it comes to conflict. You find yourself living in this world where you're reading through scripture, you're seeing what God's saying, and you're going like, I can't see it. I can't see it. I know, God, this is what you're calling me to, but there's not an audible voice all the time. There's not the, the, the physical person of Jesus speaking to me and telling me what I need to do. But we see from God's word that faith, believing when we cannot see, believing when we don't fully understand, trusting that God is who he says he is, even though we can't put it to perfection and we can't fully draw it out and show everyone and they go, oh, that makes sense. I completely understand it now. When we find ourselves engaging with these things that we don't fully grasp, we have to have faith because faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction. I'm convinced of the things I do not see. I'm convinced that God is who he says he is. I'm convinced that God's word is without flaw. I'm convinced that it's our one source of truth. I'm convinced that it's the thing that's going to guide us into truth, that when we have confusion, it's the place where we go to figure out the truth. It's to figure out what we need to do. It causes our faith to grow. And as our faith grows, we lean into that new faith, that bigger faith, to better understand the things that we knew now are able to see and to be convinced of the things that we cannot see yet.
Here's the thing. If we attest that scripture is God's word and has full authority over our lives, that's what we need to declare. That's the reality that we have to live under. If we attest that scripture is God's word and has full authority over our lives, then we have to obey it because we believe it. And we believe it because it says that we can believe it. See, a lot of people, they want to look to Scripture and say, hey, show me the thing that points to the fact that it is valid, that it is authentic, that it is able to be believed. And here's the hard part. God's Word says it is. But for those of us who are in Christ, we may feel a little bit of confidence in that. And if you don't, lean into it. Go explore it. Find out new things that God's Word has for your life. And as you do it, your faith will continue to grow. The other thing we have to realize is just because we don't always like it, just because we don't always like what Scripture says, just because we don't always understand it, or sometimes we don't even want to believe what it says, it does not mean that it's not true. We have to find ourselves saying, Spirit, pull me in a place that helps me accept this, that gives me assurance and conviction of the things that I can't see gives me assurance of the things that I can't fully wrap my mind around. We have to grow in our faith. Faith is the thing that takes all of these hard things to understand, these things that we can't fully, totally explain, all of these pieces of doctrine. Faith is the thing that as we pull those together, it wraps itself around doctrine and faith grows and fills in the gaps. And we go, I don't know, but I believe. I don't know, but I trust. I don't know, but I'm gonna go look and I'm gonna go find new answers that I haven't seen before. Holy Spirit, guide me in that. But we can never find those answers if we don't go to the source of truth. We can't go to the source of truth truth if we don't believe that God is who he says he is. And that's why we declare it this morning who God is. We declare that God is the way maker. He finds the way to get it done. He looks into our lives and he goes, you may not see it, but I see it. It's coming. That's why we have to trust in God's word. Hey, you may not fully grasp it today, but it's coming. You're going to understand it better tomorrow. Get into God's word. He's the miracle worker. He changes our hearts. He takes our lives. He takes the things that we don't see, the things that we are convinced are broken, and he works miracles in those. For those of us who are in Jesus, he moved us from death into life. That's the greatest miracle of all. That is who he is. He's the promise keeper. Get into God's word. Understand some of the promises that he has made to you and made to me and made to us, us as a faith community. He is a promise keeper. Know those promises so that when they come to fruition, you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. He is the light in the darkness. And he provides that light through his word. He provides that light to us through his word. So trust it and know it. Continue to get into it so that you see the light and you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Let's rise up and let's sing out to our God. Thanks for listening to the Green Student Ministries High School Podcast of the Chaplain Green. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us at gsm at thechapel.life or follow us on Instagram at Green Student Ministries. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.